what these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Sean Little. This is our week recap, best bets, futures episode. We'll get you best bets for Friday. We'll get you locked in for what's going on in the association. And today, we're going to talk a little most valuable player. Yep, that's right. It's not too early. It's not too early because you're a betting man or woman. And as such, you need to be up on how to get in on this market. We bet all throughout the year. We are a quarter of the way through the season, Sean Little. So we're going to get into it. Joining me is Chicago Flow on Twitter and in the Action Network app, Sean Little. You can catch him as well on the NBA Bet streams, occasionally with me uh, on there. Make sure to check that out as well. All right. Uh, reminder, everything we talk about, you're going to find it in the app. I say it every time. You need to do it. Download the Action Network app. It's the best way for you to track your picks. You're, you're going to find stuff in there that you're going to use. I promise you, you're going to find stuff in the app that you're going to use. So make sure and download the app. Also check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash the action network. Catch out all of our great shows. So much great stuff coming up. Uh, it's going to be a great time over the holiday with, with sports betting. We'll have NBA shows for Christmas. I'm sure all sorts of great stuff. Check it out on youtube.com slash the action network. All right, Sean, let's get into best bets for Friday, and then we'll rattle off some MVP stuff. Let's talk about it. What's your best bet for the Friday slate? Yeah, Matt, first off, good to, good to be back with you. A little holiday is over. I haven't seen you in a, in a week, know, a you, full man. week, maybe even a little more than that. So I'm excited to get into the show today. Friday slate, Knicks, Raptors, first half under 109 and a half in Toronto. Okay. All right. I like that that angle on that side or the angle on that total play. Uh, I will take the over in Celtics, Sixers, over 224, I will once again ask to be hurt after betting it earlier in the season. Uh, I'm going to lay the wood with some teams. I'm going to lay the 10 with the Dallas Mavericks versus the Memphis Grizzlies. And I'm going to lay the 13 and a half with the New Orleans Pelicans versus the San Antonio Spurs. I'm going to lay both of those. A combined 23 and a half points, what could possibly go wrong on a Friday night uh, after the in-season tournament? Uh, give me your angle on first half under in Raptors Knicks. Yeah, everything in this game just screams under. The full game is only 216 and a half. And I'm looking at the first half here for a couple of different reasons. Let's start with the Knicks. They're on a back to back. They just got done playing. Speaking of laying the wood, they're supposed to take care of uh, Detroit. Detroit tried to get the last win in the month in November and came close, lost by six, but that number was 14 and a half. And it was pretty, it was never that the, if you had, a plus 14 and a half ticket in your pocket. You, you felt pretty good the whole way there. But they're on a back-to-back, the Knicks. One and three against the spread this year on a back-to-back. And one and three to the under on a back-to-back. Slow starting Knicks team throughout the entire season. Four and 13 to the under in the first quarter. Seven and 10 to the under in the first half. Last 10 games for the Knicks have been an absolute snail's pace. Only 95 offensive possessions. For the game in 48 minutes, that's dead last in the NBA. And the first thing that Tom Thibodeau brought up after the Knicks game today at the Garden was defense, defense, defense. It wasn't good enough against a really bad Pistons team. 
Thibodeau and this squad specifically, they don't tend to have two bad games in the same face. So if Jalen Brunson shoots it poorly, he usually bounces back, gets back within the offense, shoots it well. If, if they don't play defense or Thibodeau wants to key in on that, they usually bounce back in that specific phase. And I think this is also just a tough matchup for both squads. Let's get into Toronto here a little bit. Three straight games to the under. This will be their third game in four days, the Raptors. They had a, they had four out of five on the road. They got back home, had a day off, or played the Suns, and now they had a day off, and now they're playing the, the Knicks here. I expect the legs to get tired. Not in the first half, though. They'll be locked in on D in that first 24 minutes, and then maybe the, the legs start to get a little heavy and the defense goes first. Hopefully that happens in the second half. One last key point here that I really liked. Raptors only allowing 21.4 points to point guards. That's fifth best in the NBA. If you slow down Jalen Brunson, this offense will slow. Quickly is also a PG that's going to handle the rock a lot. And he's a big offensive spark for these guys. I like the first half under 109 and a half Knicks Raptors. Good. That's a good cap. That's a good handicap. I've got this projected at 211 on the total on the under. I can't go with you because I bet the Knicks Pistons under, which I was like cruising first half. And I was like, ah, what an easy one. (laughs) And then the fucking Knicks gave up 70 points between the second and third quarters to the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. Um, I was on with Daniel LaRue over on Real GM Radio. You can check out the podcast, doing our tears podcast. And I was talking about the Knicks. And I was like, one of the problems is the Knicks have like these really good net ratings on offense and defense or good ratings on offense and defense. The problem is like, they don't do it in the same game. Like they'll have games where it's like, Oh man, lockdown defense. What a grind it out. They real you know, offense wasn't there, but they found a way with the defense. And then like the next game, it's like, Oh, they put up one thirty. you know, they didn't get any stops, but they were able to put up enough. That's the that inconsistency makes me really nervous as a, as a totals better. But, but I will say this one thing about Toronto, especially when you play them in Toronto is, uh, last year, Michael Malone compared playing the Thunder to a root canal. If the Thunder last year were a root canal, playing the Raptors this year is a colonoscopy. Yeah. Because they are absolutely up your ass. And, and it is a pain, and I hate watching the Raptors, and I wish to God they would break this team up, but they will drag this game into hell. Because it's really the only way for them to win. So, uh, yeah, I think the under, it's under or nothing. Like the under first half play. I like the cap on they'll lock in and play harder defense in the first half. And then maybe the legs get to them and the Raptors yeah. can run them out with transition defense, uh, transition plays. I like that quite a bit. Um, so mine's pretty simple on laying the wood with the Pelicans. Spurs are on a back to back here. Now, look, I thought I'd play in some different sides and, and like different type of angles on this, but this is pretty simple. Uh, they're getting Trey Murphy back, and usually when you you add like a big player back, it's a big deal. But Trey Murphy's not like a star; he's just like a really good player that makes everybody better. Pelicans are sixth in defense over the last uh, two weeks of play. They've put it together, and they're at home. Love them whenever I get be able to get them at home. I've got them at home versus a bad team on a back to back. I do have this projected at fifteen. Point seven. So I've got two points of value here on the Pelicans. That seems high. Like, look, the thing with the Spurs is when they lose, they lose fucking huge. They get killed, and they usually happens to them on the road. And so I will go ahead and I'll lay the wood with Pelicans minus 13 and a half. The Mavericks, this one's a lot tighter. Uh, this one I've got projected right around the number with a little bit of an edge towards um, the Dallas Mavericks. The bigger thing here is Dallas's own Memphis. They take this matchup really personally for whatever reason. Jaws there, Jaws not there. Like they just keep winning. They have not, they have absolutely just beaten the soul out of this team over and over and over again. And 
the Mavericks at home, the Mavericks entire win profile is basically like they beat up on bad teams. That's who they've been. They haven't been great at home against the spread, but if I look at their overall, their overall resume, it says they're going to beat up on bad teams and win by a lot. And the Grizzlies are coming off of finally they get a win versus the Jazz. I think it's a really good spot to go ahead and fade them here on the road versus Dallas. I'll lay the 10. Sixers Celtics, it's just a pure numbers play. The Celtics, the Sixers have been a good over team this season. Uh, they've consistently hit towards the over. So that combined with the fact that I've got this projected puts me there. Uh, KP actually, I think probably puts me more in being out, puts me more in line with an over just because there's less resistance inside for Embiid. He's going to like, he's figured out Al Horford. He's going to cook there. Uh, Sixers can put up a big number and Celtics, I think will put up a big number because that's what they do. Uh, their offense continues to click even without KP. They've got enough shooting to go ahead and compensate for it. So I'll take the over on that one. You got reactions to any of those plays in general? Yeah. Let's talk about the Pelicans. First off, I did the NBA bet stream with, uh, Glass Sheen yesterday and uh, Van uh, Van Tobel, and they were awesome. CJ was back. Zion Williamson was doing whatever he wanted. Now, I understand Joel Embiid was not in the middle of the floor, and that helped tremendously for New Orleans because they just kept going to the cup and kept doing that thing. But overall, they've been putting it together. The last six games for, for Zion Williamson have been sensational, 25-plus points in all of them. He's been absolutely super efficient across the board. And we know the the they're the best team at, at at defending the perimeter. They get another three point shooter back in Trey Murphy. Um, our guy, our guy. Um, I'm blanking on his name. The rookie, uh, Edwards. What's his first name? Matt Kessler. No, for um for New Orleans, the three point shooter. You tweeted about him. He's oh, Jordan Hawkins. Yeah, Hawkins. Hawkins. Hawk. Yes. Yeah. Has been absolutely shooting it out, lights out. They, like overall, we talk about just teams that are really well put together around, I guess, their star. Yeah. The the additions of CJ last year, now the Rook Hawkins, Trey coming back, Alvarado coming off the bench, who's now back and healthy. We talk about Jokic and that Nugget squad just being so perfectly put together for what they want to do. Pelicans are starting to roll a little bit and look like they did last year when they were number one in the West. So, yeah, I have no problem laying it with uh, with the Pelicans. They look sensational. To go to um, the Philly-Boston, Chris, that being out 100% helps the over in that spot. He's just been very good defensively for Boston. And if we talk about, obviously the big thing is going to be, is Joel going to go? He's questionable on the on the, the report that I looked at last night before before we hopped on and that's a big question if he doesn't go so much re- relies on maxi maxi as soon as joel wasn't on the floor it was very apparent in new orleans that he was gonna have to score 30 plus points for those guys to even compete right so that would be the only question mark wait to see get a get confirmation on joel in that spot because then the game becomes super competitive and then competitive games always help with an over. There was a couple times where Philly just without Embiid were getting so abused in the paint. In the third quarter, the Pelicans were in the bonus with like nine minutes left. So it, it's uh that's an interesting spot. All I'm saying is wait to see if Joel is back. And of course, that's when I start looking at anything in that in that in that realm. Uh I will say he he missed the last game of the illness. Yeah. And they put him on the IVs and they'll, they'll, they usually are able to cycle them through. It's like they put him on IV. 
I've, I've talked to some folks in the league and it's, it sounds awesome if you're sick, what they do is yeah. um, they pump you full <laughs> of ID. They give you a liquid IV and then they put you in the sauna and they sweat it out of you. And then they put you back on the liquid IV and they put you back on the, like they just cycle you through sweat IV and rest. And just I'm like, get all the, all the fluids I, out and get you some fresh fluids. I'm like, this sounds amazing. I'm like, no wonder Luca can play hungover so much. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, I, I think it'd be probably plays. It's a national TV game versus Boston, yeah. but, but Sean's right. You always want to wait and make sure that what you're getting with Sixers, especially if you're playing a side, I'm okay on the total, no matter what they play a little bit faster. If Joel's out, so it doesn't really impact me uh, on the total side. So I'm okay on, on either way of it, but you do want to make sure if you're playing a side, make sure that you wait on Embiid. Um, one more, I will kind of note here is uh, I've got a trend play that I think I'm going to add on this one. Um, it's actually Wizards and Magic again. And the best team I'm, in basketball. Seems <laughs> so fun. God, I'm going to play the under, uh, under 237 and a half. Okay. And the reason I'm going to play under 237 and a half is because of a pretty cool trend that I found since 2013. After the opponent shoots 60% or better from three, okay, then the under in the following game is 60, 45, and 7. That's 57.3%. Uh, and that qualifies for your Washington Wizards in this game. So after facing the Detroit Pistons. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get in on the under on that game as well. I've got a four-point edge there. That's enough to get me over. I'll go ahead and play that as well. Uh, that's a pretty simple one, which is I, I want to look at after you shoot abnormally hot, what happens to teams. And since 2013, it's been pretty consistent. Like if you, if you bomb from three, if you shoot better than 60%, you're going to come back down the next game. It's hard to play that twice in a row. And the uh, Magic are quite an adjustment for those teams. Buckets is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's talk about MVP because it's that time. I'm going to have a, a full write-up on the tiers of MVPs with analysis. Um, if, if you ask me for – if somebody was like, Matt, give me the Reader's Digest or the 30-second – give me nowadays, it's give me the TikTok version of the MVP. I'd be like, all right, we got three guys at the top. It's Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, and Shea Gildas-Alexander. Those are your three guys at the top. Then I think that there's a gap. And then I think you got like a lot of interesting candidates who might be able to get into the conversation later on as things kind of start to go, um, might be able to get in to this range later. Uh, LeBron, my tier one that I listed on Twitter is Yoke, Embiid, Shea, Luca, Tyrese Halliburton, and LeBron. Curry got bumped because the Warriors slid to eight and nine. Looks like they're going to be back up over back up uh, to uh, five hundred even after tonight's game. They're uh, beat the Clippers, who are on a back to back night as we record this on Thursday. They are um, playing them right now, so we'll see how that game turns out. Curry can get back into this. Like I put this number on Twitter, which is absolutely ridiculous. I put it in a post on Action Network. You can read it in the app. Curry is shooting twelve threes a game. Okay, 
That's happened three other times in NBA history when somebody has shot that many threes a game. Harden did it twice. Steph did it in 2021 for 60 games. Okay. Uh, Harden never shot over 37%. Steph, because he Steph shot 42% on 12 threes a game in 2021. This season on over 12 threes a game, Steph is shooting 44 fucking percent from three on 12 threes a game. Even with how bored I am with his status as the best <laughs> shooter alive, that is incredible. But it's part one of a stat. Part two, the Warriors have lost Steph Curry's minutes this season by nine points. They've been outscored with Steph on the floor. With him shooting 44% on 12 threes a game. So I that's absolutely ridiculous. It's almost impossible to do that. Yeah. It's it's just impossible. <laughs> um and so that makes it really hard where if the Warriors are gonna continue to struggle and you know, Clay Thompson looks washed and all these things are going wrong, it's really hard for me to be like, you should bet Steph Curry. Because I just don't know if the team success is gonna get there. The Lakers are kind of proving and they got housed by the the Thunder tonight. The Lakers are kind of showing they're gonna have a good record. But you're never going to feel like LeBron's the best player in basketball. Like, that's never going to be really arguable. Um, I have Tyrese uh, tier one because Tyrese is leading like an absolutely incredible offense. But Pacers are starting to slide a little bit. So I actually think that like Tyrese might be sliding a little bit too here. Um, the big question I have for you, though, is at BetMGM, King of Sportsbooks, show sponsor. Thank you very much. Jokic is, our, is plus 150 already. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Luca's second at plus six fifty, and Bead's plus seven hundred. Shea's eleven to one. If I told you you had to bet those three together, Jokic, and Bead, Shea, or you could take the field, which would you take? Gee, I noticed you haven't brought up our guy uh, number zero over there in Boston. I haven't heard his name once out of this 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 list of people, which is. Uh interesting in itself but yeah it would have to be Jokic because I, I want to talk about Shea too but just off of off of that question to answer it regardless of price I guess I would say it, it would just have to be Jokic the 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 what he does the usage the shooting and then versus when you when you stack him up against Embiid it's just not comparable really it's just a different it's just a different league now there has to be a little controversy around the the award, which I think is really interesting. And that's kind of what I want to get into with Shea. But, like, there's no controversy for Embiid to, to win it. He already won one. It's almost like we checked that box for him. Here you go. We gave you one. Okay, Embiid, we don't have to talk about this anymore. Now, the controversy about, around Jokic is like, dude, we should have gave him this shit last year. We were yeah. fucking around. We fell for the trap. And then he closed the season unbelievable they end up winning the title and if you were thinking like I, I was thinking about this if i had a if I, so if i had an mvp vote and i was watching the the finals and i watched Jokic and i watched the nuggets win the title i would have been thinking to myself i am such a i'm an asshole i can't believe i didn't i didn't give this guy mvp it's clear far and away the best guy had the best season and i know it was three in a row and i understand what comes with that but he deserved it and, and it was valid like it, it would have withstood the, the test of time where you go back and look like, man, I can't believe this guy. For example, Steve Nash is too, you can argue, right? You can't, you, you were not going to be able to argue Jokic 
deserve to win three in a row. So I think that controversy now is back in Jokic's favor. Now, if we go to Shea, I think that's like the most interesting thing about this, right? Before you win MVP in the NBA, you have to have a certain amount of status, a certain amount of cachet, a certain amount of just weight. Now, I think he's there for a lot of people. For me and you, without question. He's still for he's a first team all NBA guy. We know what he did last year. But I still think there's it's it's not unanimous. It's not universal where it's like, yo, this guy is a killer and his team is spectacular, and they wouldn't be anywhere close to com- how competitive they are without him. So I think that's the 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 thing about Shea is that he has that working against him. He's not controversial enough. There's not enough controversy around his name. It's like, oh, Shea Gildas Alexander, really good player. Yeah. yeah. You really know what I mean? Player. And, it, and yeah, it's kind of like, really yeah. Good. yeah, she's really yeah. good. Yeah. You ask anybody, dude, he's great. Really good guy. Really good player. MVP. Like, wait, wait a second. Like, With, without, and what's funny is like, that's without necessarily looking at the fact of like, when you actually do stack them up, it's like, Shea's at 31, six and six, averaging 2.4 steals a game. 54% from the field, 36% from three. He's an elite defender. Like, he he is the guy that where it's like, oh, he's he's on both ends of the floor. That's going to be yeah. the, he's going to be that guy this year, I think. Um, a couple 94% things. 94% from interested. the line. Really quick, I saw a split yeah. that he was shooting 46% from three on the road. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. That's all right. Go get that's, it, Shay. Uh, that's interesting. <laughs> so, I yeah, think, I mean, that's the I, thing. It's like, so, oh, Shay, really? Oh, dude, he's awesome. Really good player. Uh, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I think here's the thing. I do think we have to say this is if Jokic plays enough to qualify at 65, if he plays 65 games or more, okay, the only way I think Embiid or Shea, and they're the only two I think that can get over him. Right now I'll say that. Maybe I won't, I'm not like locked into this, right? It's early in the season. But Shea and Embiid I think could get him, but they would have to finish with the one seed and a better record than Denver. Like, there is no scenario in which Embiid finishes. I'll say this. I think, honestly, you need the seed, too. Like, I think even if the Sixers win more games than Denver, if they're both the two seed, I think Jokic gets the nod. But if the Thunder get the one seed, which sounds crazy, I know, but I'm just telling you, like, what the Thunder have done so far suggests they are that good. Maybe they won't be. But what they've done so far suggests they are that good. If they are that level, then I think that you're going to have like a real conversation about like, look, Shea is so good on both ends and he's such a dominant force. And what you will have, and I won't agree with this because I tend to think like it doesn't like I don't reward guys for having bad teammates because your job is to make them look good. But there will be a conversation of, well, Yoke has Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. and KCP. and like. Shea's got Chet Holmgren as a rookie, Jalen Williams in his second season, Josh Giddy, and then all these <laughs> other guys, right? Yeah. And so there's this, there will be a perceptional gap there. Is that enough to get him past when everyone kind of acknowledges that Jokic is the best player on the planet? Probably not. Like, that's the problem here, I think, is, and I do, what I do wonder about, you talk about the controversy, this is what I don't know. I really don't know. There were people that that decided last year was the time for them to finally just be like, okay, 
I have sat here and watched the nerds anoint this goofy-looking white guy that's never going to win a title, but no more. Joel Embiid's got to win this award. He is the best. He plays defense, blah, 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 blah. Jokic hasn't done anything in the playoffs, which ignores all of reality, blah, blah, blah. And they like they went out and this nerd the narrative and we talked about it how toxic it was and it was the dumbest conversation I've ever seen about the MVP. Not only did that occur, but it aged like milk in about three months. You had to sit there and watch as the guy that you backed and defended got bounced by Jason Tatum, blowing a three-one lead in embarrassing fashion, while. Nikola Jokic dominates the playoffs, goes 16 and four, wins finals MVP. Like you cannot take more L's than those folks took last year. (laughs) And I think that there will be a resistance from a lot of folks that were at least entertaining those conversations and voted. Like there was a lot of like, well, you know, I see like there's a lot of like, well, do I really want to give three in a row to a guy that's not going to win the title? And now it's like, do you see what you've done? Are you proud of yourself? And there's like, I think that there'll be, I do think there'll be some resistance to Embiid, which this is what's fucked up about it is Embiid deserves it now more than ever. Like I genuinely think that he is playing at a level that I don't think he's as impactful as Yoke just because I watch Yoke every night and I watch Embiid most nights and Embiid has been awesome and his passing and his shaping things. And his, it's, it's so good. But, like, Yoke controls games in, like, he is a puppet. He's playing, like, he he's playing on easy mode. Like, he's just all over it. And Embiid still is kind of like pick and pop, a lot of mid-rangers, scores a lot, does his thing. The passing has been phenomenal. I've loved how watching Joel play this year. The Sixers team is fun as hell. But, like, Yoke's better. And that's always going to be, I think, like a restriction. The real question here is just, like, should you be betting in the event that one of those guys doesn't finish with 65 plus the frustrating part is that my answer would be like, yes, it's Shea. I've already bet Shea a lot. Like I've talked about in the podcast. I bet him in preseason. I bet him again, early season. The problem is like, look, Shea's just as likely as those guys to miss enough to miss 17 games, like 16 games. Like it's, it's, it is, he is sorry, 17 games. He is just as likely to miss them. Nope. I'm just getting it wrong again. 18 games. That's how many you're going to miss. Shea is more likely to miss 18 games than Joker and Bede, quite honestly. Like, he's just, he won, he's a guard, so he's th- flying through the air. He's got injury history. Like, Yoke doesn't miss, miss games. He just doesn't. Knock on wood. Like, maybe that'll happen. Um, but that, to me, is, is, is part of this equation as well. Is there any, you mentioned Tatum. I was just going to say, Matt, what happens when we look up and fucking, and the fucking Celtics have 66 wins? <laughs> I know. Like, and it's like, what, what, what happens then? Right. So yeah, it's, uh, it's really interesting because he's going to be right there. The numbers are going to be there. The wins are going to be there. So uh, like, let's look at it. Right. Because I think you gotta, you gotta actually like look at these things because I kind of penciled in, I I thought Tatum had great value before the season. Cause I was like, well, the Celtics are just going to win so many games, but like, he's not averaging 30 points which that's the new bar. Like you need to be averaging 30 points. He's averaging 27.7, um, eight rebounds, four assists per game. The assists have kind of gone down because Jalen's picking up more of that now, especially with KP. Like Jalen and KP run more stuff than Tatum and KP. Um, Tatum's under 50% from the field, which that's not bad. Like he's shooting 49% with a high volume of threes. It's really good. But if you compare like his effective field goal percentage versus some of the contemporaries, it doesn't really match up. 
and this is the bigger thing is you can dislike the metrics and the and the the analytics it's a dumb word but like you can you can dislike all these numbers all you want but bpm and epm have been extremely in line and predictive of whatever it is that the voters are looking for like i'm telling you that most of the voters don't know what bpm or epm is they don't know it. like there's a section of them 20% of the voters are able to identify those stats okay and they'll influence them but instead most of it is that bpm and epm line up with whatever it is that people are looking for which is why the leaders in those categories have won the awards so many times and guess who's number 1 in box plus minus offensive box plus minus and defensive box plus minus because of the rebounds. It's Nikola Jokic. Shea Yost Alexander is sixth in offense and second in defense. Shea's third in BPM and Bede's second. If we jump over to uh, EPM, the one that I like so much and I'm always I'm always talking about, Yoke's number one and Bede's number two. Shea's number three. And then yeah. there's a, uh, there's a drop. So like Tatum doesn't register on these, man. I don't like I don't know why. I'm not smart enough to understand why. But I'm yeah. not sure the numbers are going to be there to get Tatum to seriously crack top three. Well, I think you kind of just said it yourself. So, like, the guys aren't looking at expected plus minus. They're looking at 27, 66 wins and a team that looks like they're going to win the title. It's like, we just, talk, we just had a conversation about what everyone did to Jokic. Yeah. Why are we going to vote for a guy that's not going to win the title? We're not expected plus minus. We're not fucking talking about expected plus minus. We're talking right. about a guy that already has two and yeah, it's very good, but like he's good. He's not going to do anything in the playoffs. And so it's time to give it to Embiid. There's just sometimes, and I'm not saying that it's, and w- what I'm getting at is we just essentially have been talking about it and we haven't talked about Tatum. He's hundred percent going to be in the conversation. In my opinion, in front of Shea, which Woo. maybe which may not be deserved, but if we're talking about voters and guys like Kendrick Perkins, we're talking about we're talking about Jason Tatum up there one two three without question. Um, I believe that the Dallas Mavericks are going to fade. That's why I, I don't. We're not talking about Luca at least for me. But the Boston Celtics are going to be throttling people all year long. They're going to get. We're going to get to the end of the year. They're going to have sixty. Four plus wins, and then we're going to be like, well, how can we not be discussing a guy that leads them and is the, the guy that's making everything happen on the offensive end for them? And he has to be in the conversation. And another thing is the narrative around Jalen Brown is like, and, and, and this guy gets no help from Jalen Brown. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. God that he has uh, Drew Holiday now because if, if it wasn't for that, Man, whatever. So, like, there's, like, a lot of that stuff going on. So, what I'm getting at is Tatum is going to be in the conversation, I believe, if he if he stays healthy and plays enough games down the stretch because that's just how this shit works. I think I think here's my thing. Okay, so he's 9-1 to one at, at that MGM, which is a pretty good number. I will say that that's a pretty good number on him. Um, and so the question here is, you can buy low on Tatum now, but I feel like all you're going to wind up doing is you're going to be like, look at the great CLV I got on the guy that finished fourth. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's my concern here is like, you know, I, I'm so much about building pro building uh, portfolio and having all these bases covered and not getting hit with random guys that are going to come in. Unless I like, I've got to, I have to have some level of discernment of like, is he really going to win? There's a strong resistance to the idea that Jason Tatum's at that level. Like there, like there is a legit feeling that, 
you know, you talk about Shea, where it's like, oh, he's a really good player. There is a feeling with Tatum that it's like, yeah, no, Tatum's really good. Like, he's really good. He's so, he's really good. And I will say that those that are in Shea's corner are a lot more emphatic about him than Tatum's people in his corner are. Where with Shea, people are like, God damn, this guy's amazing. Like, he is incredible. Have you seen what that dude did on both ends? Like, I watched it tonight with the Lakers. Like, there were sequences where he just, like, gets a steal, goes down, weaves through two defenders, crafty move, bucket M1. And you're just like, God damn. And he does it, like, yeah. game after game after game. He's, he's ripping the ball out of people's hands. Yeah, he's super athletic, he's super crafty, and he's a great defender. And, like, defense usually doesn't matter with with, uh, with, with MVP. Um, I wish I could believe that the Pacers were going to be a little bit better. Like they lost the heat tonight. They had a big lead and blew it. That team is, is still so bad defensively because like, I think there's great value on Halliburton. Like Halley's numbers are ridiculous. And he, and his uh, betting number is 40 to one. That's amazing for a guy that's, that's maybe to, in my opinion, like in the top five of the best offensive engines in the league right now, but that team's just not going to win enough games. Like they're just not like you yeah. gotta, you gotta cross the, the, I will say this, that we do have kind of these criteria and, you know, Brandon and I broke it down in the preseason, how to bet MVP and you can, and it can, you can get too complicated, but it is like stats wins. And then the other thing is like that narrative component that everyone always talks about. Everyone says like, well, it's a narrative award. I'm like, okay, it's a narrative can decide between guys, but it doesn't validate you if you don't have the other two things. Like, if you're not putting up numbers on a team that doesn't win, you're not going to win, you know? Um, yeah, and there I would are, say, yeah, no, 100%. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think when you're looking at futures overall, especially when we're talking about the biggest awards out there, MVP, Heisman, those type of things, it's really easy to fall into this echo chamber with your homies and the people you talk ball with yeah. and not think about, the 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 big scope of the people that are voting on these things right so when i'm on the phone with matt or i'm texting matt and brandon and joe delara and the rest jay money and the rest of these guys shay of course is going to be at the top of the list for how much we love him and how much we love his game and how much we think he should be in the mvp race if you go down the street and talk to somebody at the grocery store and i'm not right. and that's not who's voting for the mvp but what i'm getting at is it's just so many different aspects. And sometimes when you're looking at MVP odds, you're like, how can this guy, how can this number be so long? I have to grab this here when vast majority of the people that are voting for some of this stuff are, just aren't looking at a lot of the things that we're looking at being big time hoop fans. I got, I got a question for you. Okay. Because yeah. we're, if we're talking about wins, we're talking about notoriety. Who is more well known, Shea Gillers Alexander or Anthony Edwards right now? I was gonna right when you said who's well who who's more known, I was gonna hit you right back and be like, Well, what generation are we talking about? And it's like the same generation. Right. <laughs> um right. I would uh I, and, and this is being completely honest, I I don't know their social their like their social following off the top of my head. Yeah. I would have to say it's um it's Anthony Edwards. With okay. with the Adidas piece, with um, I don't want to say is is Minnesota a bigger market than Oklahoma City? I don't. It is. I don't it, is. It, it is just not by much, but yeah, it is. Uh, Minneapolis. Uh, yeah. Okay. Twin Cities. I got it. Twin Cities. Come on yeah. now. Come yeah. on now. Okay. So then, yeah, I would say uh, I would say Anthony Edwards for sure. Okay. So Ant's thirty to one. 
and the numbers don't match up. But if you think that Ant's got his best basketball ahead of him and you think the Wolves are going to continue to win at the pace that they are, that's good value. Yeah. Now, I I personally don't. Like, I think that, that at the end of the day, the voters are going to look at it. and Because this is what I was trying to explain to somebody that was mad that I had Ant on um, a lower tier this week. As I said, you look at these other guys and you go, why is OKC at the top of the Western Conference? Like, they are third at 12 and 6. Why is OKC at 12 and 6? And the number one reason is Shea. Um, why are the Nuggets 13 and 6? Nikola Jokic, he's the number one reason. Why are the Dallas Mavericks 11 and 6? Luka Doncic, he's amazing, right? Like, there's other things in there, but that's, that's really is why. Um, the Boston Celtics, it's like, why are they 14 and 4? It's like, because their roster's really fucking good and Jason Tatum's really good, which is why Tatum's in the conversation. Okay. Sure. But with Minnesota, if you say, why is Minnesota really good? Their team defense is great. Like, that's why they're really good is because their team defense is great. But this also might be a buy low spot. If you're just like, look, I think Ant's going to get better offensively. And if he has a stretch where he's bombing, like even just like a two week period in January where it's like, you know, Anthony Edwards averaged 35 for two, for two weeks, which is doable, you know, because if he drops like a 50, that gets him closer in terms of the target numbers. Part of this, though, I will say is just like, you know, we talked a lot about how, how Jokic is outside of the, the age boundary, and he is. But if Jokic plays 65 games, is this all academic? Like, I am kind of worried about that. And, like, I don't know if he's going to play 65. Yeah. Like, he might take, you know, I, I really don't. I don't think he wants the attention. I don't think, I think they do want to get him rested for the, like, he's already missed a little bit of time. Like, he had back pain. So they were like, well, let's hold him out a game versus the Clippers of all teams. Um, but I do just wind up being like, at the end of the day, if Yoke's going to keep doing this and he's going to have these numbers for a team that wins this much, I mean, I'm asking you, like, Tatum can win 70 games. Is Tatum winning? Like, Tatum can win 70 games, and I just don't know if the voters are going to be like, yeah, Jason Tatum's more deserving and most valuable than, than, than Nikola Jokic. I just don't know if, if, if I can see a world where that happens. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, yeah, this might all be for not this, this whole pod. We might be able to delete it right now if Jokic is going <laughs> to play a vast majority of the games, right? Another interesting element is that, kind of like you mentioned with Jokic and uh, does he want the attention? Does he, does he even want to deal with it? Part, part of that is, and I think, I think a big part of the, the Joel run last year was like, he was doing everything in his, in his ability to win MVP. Yeah. Set me up on national television games. I'll take the night off before and I'll yep. go crazy on national TV against a really good team. Like it was on his radar. I'm not so sure how important of a feat that is to Jokic right now at this stage in his career with all that he's accomplished in the last three years. So yeah. th- th- that's also an element as well. And he, yeah, it, it may be just by default that they're going to be a top two team in the West. His numbers are going to be absolutely ridiculous. He makes everything on that. Michael Porter Jr. has the easiest fucking job in the entire NBA. Like it's and that's purely on Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray second, but it's Jokic first. MPJ is not asked to do much, especially with KCP. But, he dropped thirty last night. Yeah, like is he important? Yes. Yeah, but like his the 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 he's just not asked to do a lot, and it's just a very easy situation for him for what he's getting paid. So yeah, Jokic Man, is just so impactful across the board. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, and like the vets talk about it, like they t- like you know, you you 
when you're in these pressers or in the locker room, like I want to give the guys more credit. Like I'll talk to AG or uh, Reggie or uh, KCP and I'll be like, you know, look, I know that Yoke is amazing. Everyone knows that. But like, what are the things that you're doing that make this work so well? And literally they're like, they try and be like, look, I see what you're like. KCP was like, (laughs) I get it, man. I'm telling you, it really is that easy. Like he makes it that easy. Like they, they honestly are. They're just like, dude, you, if you do what you, what you should do, if you, once you figure out how you should, the things that you need to do. And if you played long enough, you understand it. Justin Holiday had a fucking great quote to me last night. Justin, because Justin Holiday's starting now and they look awesome with him and Holiday. I was asking him, I was like, look, a a lot of teams have talent. You know, what is it about this team? You know, I was like, I know it's Nicola, but what is it about this team that makes them play differently? Um, Because they had like 35 assists and no turnovers last night. Or two turnovers. It was crazy. Yeah. And Justin Holiday said, look, there's a lot of teams that, there are a lot of guys in the league that have talent, but there's not nearly that many that really know how to play basketball. And I was like, it's true. You know, and like, if you know how to play basketball, Yoke's going to get you paid. And he's going to get your buckets. Is there anybody else I want to, because the whole thing here is trying to find value on what we don't know, right? We know the Nuggets are going to be good and Jokic is going to be at the top. We know Embiid's going to be good and he's going to be at the top. Shea's a little bit more of a question mark, right? We know the Celtics are going to be great. Like to your point, Jason Tatum's a much more reliable option because there's a much higher chance of the Celtics finishing with 55 plus wins than the Thunder finishing with 50 plus, right? But is there anybody else that you are like, if they were to go on a crazy run and get themselves into this conversation, is there anybody down the list that you would think about? For me, the only one that I really get to is Zion. Um, Book, I honestly think the problem is KD shooting so well. Like, So well. It's fucking off this planet. It's out of this world. world. It's insane. (laughs) Yeah, it's insanity, yeah. Like, for for the uninitiated that may be not paying attention, Kevin Durant this season is shooting 78% at the rim. That's 96th percentile. He's shooting 44% from mid-range. That's 53rd percentile. And let me tell you, just like last five years on volume, if you're shooting above 44%, you're shooting exceptionally well on mid-range shots. Those shots are hard to hit at a high level. Oh, yeah. And he's at 49% from three. So 78 at the rim, 44 (laughs) mid-range. 50% 50% nearly at from three-point line. Oh, yeah, and he's 90% from the line. Fucking yeah, absurd. I mean, it's so, absurd. So even though Book, I think, makes them so much better and Book's assist and he's got this complete game, I don't know that even if the Suns were to get a top three seed, I think voters yeah. would be like, it's KD. No, it's Booker. No, it's KD. No, it's Booker. I think they take votes away from themselves and neither one would wind up getting it. 100%. That's exactly what would happen when we talk about just like votes in general. When when you can't decipher, I think you laid that out perfectly about when you're going team by team, like why is Oklahoma City so good? SGA is amazing. Why is uh why is Denver so good? Jokic is, is is amazing. Why is Boston so good and why is Minnesota so good? It starts to get a little muddy. Well, Minnesota's defense is unbelievable. And then yeah, Ant Man is awesome. Yeah, I mean they have the best roster in the NBA, Boston. I think it starts to Kevin Durant, yeah, but you know Booker's still there. If you can't decipher, mm-hmm. if you if you're gonna go back and forth, or even for even a second, I'm not talking about like you you come up with an answer after you go back and forth with your buddy. It needs to be very clear. So yeah, they would kind of cannibalize each other when it comes to MVP. But 
Kevin Durant is call it quietly for some people that aren't paying attention, but he's been spectacular. A couple days off for an injury, no problem. Come back, get 30, extremely efficient. Devin Booker clearly, clearly had the New York to Toronto a couple days, comes out and scores eight points, and Durant just no problem. There's 30, even though it's in a loss. But, you know, we just talked about Toronto and how tough they are defensively. So, yeah, it's tough. I think we touched on everybody that actually has a legitimate chance. And you don't want to be a futures better just like Matt laid out of the guy that, like, I got the best price, man. So, like, yeah. I got five tickets that are the best that were the best price, and they're all losers. So, yeah. be careful. Be careful with that as well. Yeah, I have a really legit chance to win. That's why, uh, that's why honestly, um, it's why right now Giannis is a no bet for me because that that Bucks team has too too many issues. They lost to to your uh, your Bulls tonight. Yeah. Did you see this? Did you see the starting five for the Bulls? Yeah, 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 I did. <laughs> and also, De- uh, Dalen Terry, if he got drafted by the Heat, would be Josh Richardson. <laughs> so I, I don't know, man. What whatever, man. So, <laughs> but yeah, I did. Uh, I did see that the Bulls play with a lot of energy. Um. That that those guys should be getting moved here ASAP when that December December date hits when they can move off of those guys. You're gonna see a lot of stuff about like how the Bucks are still like have this good record and all the that, that team's not right. You just need like I'm telling you right now that team yeah. is a no bet right now. Maybe it changes, but right now do not get in on anything Bucks right now. There's yeah, there's big a eye test. Watch the go back and watch some of yeah. those games and you could it's it's very visible. There's there's trouble. They're frustrated too. All right, it's got to wrap it up for the uh, Friday episode. My thanks to Sean Little for joining me and breaking down MVP. You can catch my article, breaking down the tiers over at actionnetwork.com. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday night with the future Jays talking about the in season tournament, giving you the full bracket predictions for the in season tournament next week. Uh, and then we'll be off and running, as always, with uh, more best bets throughout the week. Make sure to download the Action Network app. Check out youtube.com slash the Action Network. My thanks. To our guy David Payne, our producer, as well as the video crew putting this up on YouTube, Hutton Jackson and the folks. We'll see you guys again next time. Thanks for joining us. Till then, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24 7 at 1 800 Gambler.